0: Welcome in everyone to another episode of Paul's Points. I'm your host Paul Fritschner and thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, as I always say, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or really wherever podcasts are available. And while you're there, if you could do me a favor and leave a rating and a review, I'd really appreciate it just so I know what you like listening to, what you want to hear more of, and so on. On today's episode I have ESPN coordinating producer Tom DeCordy. He's a Xavier graduate, so that's how I've gotten connected with him over the years. But he's been at ESPN at the Mothership for over 20 years now, and he has a laundry list of people that he's worked with and shows that he's worked on, and it's really impressive. And that's the biggest thing that we talked about through the course of this interview, which, if you want to watch this interview, you can go onto my YouTube channel. Just search Paul Fritschner and there's the video recording of this interview on there. This interview was done back at the beginning ish part of quarantine. And because of that, we talked a lot about how ESPN was able to manage content without sports. But during his time at ESPN, he's worked with guys like Stephen A. Smith, Scott Van Pelt. He was instrumental in starting Scott Van Pelt's new Sports Center. I guess it's really not that new now, but Scott Van Pelt's Solo Sports Center, the Midnight Eastern Edition episode of Sports Center, that solo show that Scott runs. Tom was his producer, and those two came together and they figured out how to get this done. And Tom was a producer of that show up until recently when Tom left and became the producer for the Sports Center LA show and he manages that from Bristol. He talks about that more in the interview, but manages that from Bristol, goes out to L.A. to check on those guys uh, pretty frequently, but he still runs it out of the Bristol office. Also a producer for the Stephen A. Smith show. He's worked on the postgame show for the NBA Finals. The list, like I said, goes on and on and on, and he talks about all that and more in this interview. One of the most interesting portions of this interview that I liked was where he talked about how they produce the Sports Center Top 10 every night. That's a segment that is really ingrained in sports culture now for so many years. It's you go on about 10 minutes before Sports Center is over and you know that you're going to see the top 10 plays of the day. And that was one of the things I asked him. How do you guys go through and filter through all the different sports all around the world, all the different submissions you get? How do you guys manage that? and he listed it out in complete detail, how they come in every night and get that done. He was super gracious with his time. I really can't thank him enough for taking all this time to talk to me and go through all these answers and how his career has turned out. And he gave some career advice for people maybe looking to get into uh, ESPN or the sports media industry as a whole. So I'm really looking forward to you all listening to this. I think you all will really enjoy it in other news i think i've settled on tuesday as the general release day for new episodes of the podcast so as weeks go along look for a new episode of paul's points on tuesdays so now i hope you all enjoy this interview with espn coordinating producer tom de Tom, thank you so much for joining me this afternoon and taking some time to talk about how everything's going right now.
1: Happy to do it. Good to see you.
0: Great to see you. So, First of all, I want to ask you how you are working with SportsCenter and ESPN and how you guys are all managing content right now and trying to plan everything going on behind the scenes.
1: Uh, it's really difficult. I mean, it's, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't a trying time. I mean, it's a trying time for everybody. Um, so we're just trying to use this, you know, use this to do as much content as we can. I mean, obviously, we have the NFL draft coming up next week. Um, that's a huge uh, uh, a huge event for us. It always is, but even more so, now that we you know have a very limited number of events, um obviously, we have uh, the last dance, um the documentary on Jordan. you know, we expect that to to be. Uh, A big ratings win for us, hopefully. And, um, you know, and it's just going to, it's a great, it's going to be a great movie. I mean, I think people are really going to enjoy watching it, going back in time to, um, you know, people love Michael Jordan still. It's amazing, you know, 20 years since he last played a basketball game, um, he still resonates with, with everybody, all sports fans.
0: So you've worked a lot with guys like Scott Van Pelt. You were his producer and getting his show started when he went solo. You work a lot with Stephen A. Smith, and now with this quarantine going on, you're transitioning into the Sports Center back with you know with no NBA and Stephen A. Is not having a show right now um, with the NBA. You're working at Sports Center at night. What is it like working with all of those guys and personalities? and planning their shows before then what we all see is the viewer on the screen, but you're behind the scenes and you're the ones talking them through everything.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a lot different now than it is when the, you know, the games are going on, you know, when the games are going on, you're just reading and reacting to what's happening that night. Um, You know, now we're in a really totally different mode as far as, you know, we really have to plan each day. All right. What are we going to do today? You know, like, um, you know, a lot of it is based on, you know, his, historic stuff, you know, like, hey, what's happened this day in history? Um, whose birthday is it today? Can we build something around that? Um, you know, we're also really leaning in on all of our contacts, right? So all the contacts we've made throughout our years in in our careers are, you know, hey, um, for example, like I was working on a show a couple weeks ago with Kenny Main and I'm like, Kenny, what do you, what do you got today? I'm like, who can we call today? And he's like, well, he's like, hey, uh, Dale Jr. is in this, uh, you know, e-race. Um, I'll call him up. Maybe he can talk, come and talk about the race. And then, you know, he he uh, did seven minutes with us, you know, and it was great. We had an amazing interview. So, um, you know, that's that's where we are right now. You know, it's about, you know, um, using all the contacts and friendships and relationships you made throughout the years to – try to, you know, manage the content day to day. And, um, you know, we're all just kind of trying to do the best we can until, uh, hopefully sports come back, comes back soon.
0: When sports are happening and you have a typical day at the office and everybody that works in sports always says there's no typical day you come in and everything's different, but as normal as a day can be when you're working with Scott or with Stephen A, what is a day like for you as a producer for them?
1: um well one thing is is you start thinking and you start doing you think about the show from the minute you wake up until the minute the show's over and then as soon as the show's over you're thinking about the next one <laughs> um so i would say there like there are typical like every day to me is is very similar because i get in the, it, like i feel like uh, consistency and repetition helps build quality. Um, but within that consistency, things that you aren't expecting always happen. So because you have the structure of this, is everybody knows exactly what their role is. When you get the expected unexpected, then you know, okay, This person's going to do this. This person's going to do that. Stephen A's going to write this. And we have a system in place that allows us to succeed. We're not chasing it, right? So my job is to basically just kind of organize everybody so that everyone feels comfortable and knows the plan going in, right? And then when things happen that change the plan, everybody can adjust at the same time and we're not having to make eight different emails or phone calls or whatever, you know, you just change it and everybody knows, okay, we're doing this now. Um, so essentially my role is, is dual fold. Like what, you know, I work with whoever the host of the show is to, you know, craft and design the show in the way that we're in, both of us are envisioning it. And then, um, my other job is to organize the rest of the staff to make sure that um, that they know what the vision is, and that their contributions and their ideas get shared with whether it's Stephen A. or Van Pelt or Kenny or Butcher Grass or John Anderson, whoever it is. Um, that there's that collaboration there because um, the best ideas generally, you know, like do that best ideas generally come from either the host or the show staff, the show staff. We have amazingly talented people on our show staff that come up that are constantly thinking of excellent ideas. So we just, you know, we really lean on them. Those, uh, those men and women do a great job.
0: Yeah. What's Stephen A like when he goes on the air, how much of what he does? I mean, he's such a character. How much of what he does is scripted is maybe too strict to say, but, planned versus him just reacting to what somebody's saying
1: well I think that the top well I don't work on first take with him so um I don't want to speak for what their process is um you know I work with him in more of he's more of a host uh in the NBA show that I work with him on the pregame show um so our show is is very scripted in the sense of we have the topics that we know we're going to do each show. But we try to give him room so that within some of the conversations that he's having with the analyst or the reporters or the interview subjects, we try to give him room so that he can be Stephen A, right? So you don't want Stephen A to be anything other than himself. And that goes for whatever, whoever's hosting a show. Like the host, they're the one that's presenting the show. So if you're not producing with them in mind, then you're asking for trouble.
0: A few years ago, when Scott Van Pelt started his own show, the, he takes Sports Center and he takes the Midnight Sports Center and he's doing it on his own. And you were his lead producer for that, right? Yep. And he comes to you. Does he come to you and pitch this? Or is this a Sports Center thing in general that they say, hey, we want to revamp this and they put you guys on a team? Or how does that show all come together and pay off like it has over the last few years?
1: Um, so the idea for that show started at the masters when Scott, so when we go to the masters, um, we don't stay in hotels. We stay in like rental homes, like Airbnbs. So Scott was staying with, um, one of our executives, Mike McQuaid and Andy North, and I think Tarico in a house. Right. So Scott's talking with, Mike McQuaid, who's a legendary producer and executive at ESPN. And they were basically talking about like what SportsCenter, like what the evolution of SportsCenter could look like. And Mike was like, Well, what if you had your own show where you just we just did all this stuff? And Scott's like, oh, that's crazy. And he's like, Is it? <laughs> and so like that was like kind of where the seed of the the idea came to be. And then when Mike happened to take over SportsCenter like a year or two later, And, you know, so he was like, hey, let's do this. So then it was at that point where Scott approached me and said, hey, what do you think about this idea? And I said, oh, well, you know, like, what if we did X, Y, and Z? And like in that first conversation, when we were talking about what a Scott Van Pelt Sports Center could be, um, there are two of the staples of the show. Bad Beats and Where in the World is Scott Van Pelt were both segments that we conceived in that conversation. So really, so from there, um, he's like, all right, well, he's like, if this happens, you know, do you want, is this something you want to do? And I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that. And, you know, I, I left that conversation. I'm like, well, if that happens, great, but it probably never happened. And then uh, two months later, I got the call from uh, him and Mike and they were like, Hey, like this is going to happen. We want you to be a part of it. And it just kind of took off from there.
0: And where does Stanford Steve enter the picture?
1: Uh, that was a, that was a thing where Scott was like, Hey, I really think that, um, you know, he can be a part of the show. Um, i definitely want him to be part of the group. Um, I don't think we necessarily knew right away that there was going to be an on air role. Um, that was something that when we were in development for the show, we kind of like Scott's like, "Hey, can we try this out?" And I'm like, "Sure." Like at, in the developmental stage, everything's on the table, right? Um, so we we tried it out, and we're like, "Oh, this could really work." You know, people like people just really like him, and he's a very likable and relatable person.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and it just it just kind of worked, and we're like, "All right, well." this is a thing and we're going to do it. And there was definitely, you know, some people that were like, I don't think this is a good idea. And then there were some people that are like, Oh yeah, that'll work. And you know, like we were told like, do the show you want to do. So we kind of took that to heart and you know, that was one of those decisions that worked out.
0: How much fun is it for you to look at this from a big scale and work your way up to sports center. and, And I've, I look at this sometimes and working with people at Xavier and, and working w- and talking to people and big names through my time at Xavier in college basketball. And it's very relative when I say big names. I'm talking about people or players that I've talked to that maybe I watched on TV when I was younger that you encounter along the way. But you're there at the top. You are at the mothership. You're at Sports Center. You're a producer for that show that everybody's watched and grown up on how cool is that for you to see where you've come you know, from Xavier now to where you are working at the top and, and to see all that as a whole working there?
1: Well, I mean, listen, I got very lucky. Um, I got my job at ESPN because of a person I went to Xavier with, who's not even in the uh, sports media business anymore. Um, so I got a foot in the door and then, um, you know, I just, there were a series of very fortunate events that helped me uh, move up throughout the company. Um, But really, like now, um, I don't really define success as um, whatever show I'm working on, even though, though that is tremendously important. You know, now I'm very lucky to be in a position where I'm helping, you know, people that are entering the business and I'm, you know, identifying the next wave of producers and talent. And um, that's where I get my most biggest reward these days is to see, you know, like, wow, this guy can really produce or this guy can really cut a good feature and seeing them, giving them chances, helping them grow. um, And hopefully that they take, you know, take my role someday and, and elevate it even higher. Um, there is no ceiling for ESPN or for any show, you know, it's just like, if you're not growing, then you're, then you're going down. Like you have to constantly be evolving in this business. And, um, you know, I think the current situation we're in, I think is going to provide a lot of opportunity for evolution and development and, different ways of consuming media, different ways of presenting media. You're already seeing it um, throughout the landscape. So I think like this is going to be a big opportunity for, you know, for ESPN and for a lot of companies to, um, to really think about how they're doing things and, and what, where the viewers are, what viewers want. Um, it's, it's a really interesting time.
0: How do you see it evolving, Tom, when you have Twitter and all these other platforms where now you can get highlights in two to three minutes instead of when I was growing up and you had to watch highlights or SportsCenter for an hour just to see, you know, the clip of the game that you wanted to watch. How do you see SportsCenter adapting and evolving to that?
1: Well, so if you just want to find out what happened in the game, then... Twitter or digital highlights might be enough for you. But if you want a deeper understanding of what's happening or a more entertaining look at what's happening, SportsCenter is still providing that for you. Nobody does highlights better than SportsCenter. And the level of detail and um, sophistication that our highlight group provides is second to none. And it's a super inspiring group to be associated with because of – how they're able to take a a game or an event and elevate it to a level you you just like that's super entertaining or super informative. It's really awesome. It's a great collaborative group to be a part of. Um, but at, that being said, you know, like um, you go where the viewers are, and I think you know we've seen that the linear model seems to be you know is getting older. You know, like young people are going to different. Platforms to get their material. And, uh, you know, you've seen it with SportsCenter on Snapchat. That's been a real um, plus for us as a company. Um, you're seeing us do a lot more on YouTube, on Instagram Live. Um, there's a lot of different, you know, Quibi now, we've just launched a show. Um, so I think we're starting to, you know, really figure out, okay, like where, like, you know, the traditional our Center format, all right, that still works on, linear TV, but, you know, there's different ways to use the SportsCenter brand as we move to different uh, to different forms of media.
0: Yeah, and you talk about evolving like that and this young wave of producers or on-air talent that's going to come up. What would you say is something that you look for in a young producer or somebody that might be listening to this that wants to get into the business? What is something that you say, wow, that guy or that girl is going to be a great Producer someday. What are
1: you looking for? It's really, to me, it's about three things. It's about critical thinking. How do you solve problems? Ideas. How do you conceive content? And professionalism and work ethic. How reliable and how hardworking are you? Um, I can tell you, I never look at how well someone did at school, how where someone went to school. That stuff is not as important to me. I'm just looking for someone who's um, who can solve problems, who can create solutions, who can come up with ideas that that entertain and inform people. And um, that's really what I'm looking for. And it's just one of those things where, like, when I encounter someone for the first st- first time, second time, third time, You just kind of like, oh, that person's got it. You know, that woman's got it. She's, she's outstanding. And you just like, you know, I've been lucky over, you know, my 20 year career at ESPN. I've been able to encounter a lot of those folks and, and they've done incredible work for us.
0: Now, I'm curious to know when you go, when the red light goes on and Scott Van Pelt is live for his midnight sports center and you're behind the scenes and you're punching all the buttons and everything. How many people are in that room and what's all happening behind the scenes as, as he uh, does his show?
1: Well, there's only, um, there's only two people that are going to be talking to Scott during the show in his ear that aren't Stanford Steve or a guest. And that's the producer of the show, which used to be me, is now uh, Marco Alfandari, He's done a fantastic job um, since I moved on to a different role. And then the director of the show, whoever uh, that is, on a given night. Um, So they're, they're, you know, directing and producing Scott as the show goes around. But, I mean, it takes a, you know, a pretty good-sized group to put the show on. You know, you've got a director, you've got a uh, technical director who switches the show. You've got assistant directors, assistant producers, um, researchers. I mean, all in all, it's probably about a 20-person group that puts on the show on a given night um and every like i said everybody's got their role you know um and early on you know one of the things that um the two things that we wanted to build um was a show of um young people who are uh who have great ideas and people who liked being around each other and wanted to be part of the team um And we were very lucky that original staff when uh, the show got started is a really special group that was like, you know, um, you never forget that first group, you know, and, and then uh, I was kind of the last person um, to move on. And uh, we're, you know, like a lot of the originals are now either doing other things or have, you know, moved up and, you know, Marco was a, assistant producer when the show started and now he's the producer of the show. And, um, you know, it's great to see that, you know, since that original group, you know, we've all kind of uh, grown and moved on to things that, uh, um, it's just, it's really, it was really special. It's probably the most special group that I've been a part of in my 20 years at ESPN.
0: I know that everything's not normal right now and and you're having to fill spots and fill roles and fill content, but if everything was normal, and you touched on it a little bit a few minutes ago, what is your job at ESPN as far as the shows that you work on? You're you're a little bit with Stephen A. on his NBA show, but what else are you working on on a given day?
1: So uh, I do uh – I'm the uh, coordinating producer, which is like a, t- a different title, like kind of like an executive producer of SportsCenter from Los Angeles. So the 1 a.m. version with Stan uh, Fred, and Neil Everett. Um, so I work with that group um, on a night in, night out basis. And then I also, as you mentioned, work with Stephen A. on his NBA pregame show, which is uh, on Wednesday nights when the when the season's going on. So. Um, those are the two primary things I work with, but I also am I'm still, you know, very much involved with uh other parts of SportsCenter and um those are my primary roles. And then um within that I there's always a you know a few things here and there um that you end up picking up along the way. And then uh, I'm also uh I have seven direct reports. So um being their manager and helping them with their career and developing them, that's uh, that's also an important part of what i do so um that takes up a pretty you know good chunk of time and um you know it's i was really enjoying both roles before uh everything uh got shut down but uh you know we'll get back here at some point and sports is going to come back and it'll come back strong but uh you know for now we got to we got to put we got the pause button right now
0: you produce that la sports center from bristol right
1: so no, well, I mean, yes and no. So we can okay. do it from Bristol, but we have an LA production center that's right across the street from Staples. Okay. Um, so it's a fully uh, operational broadcast center. So um, so they do the whole show from there, and uh, I sit in uh, a small control room with one other person when the show's on. Um, but I have I I can communicate with everybody in Los Angeles from the control room in Bristol. So um when everything is normal i usually go to los angeles about once every 6 weeks and spend a week out there with the group and that way i can be with them in person which is always better um but uh it also you know my role in bristol provides them to have a connection with the with the different groups in bristol like their highlights are all cut from bristol and then sent via fiber to um to los angeles so having so a couple of folks like myself and a, a production assistant and assistant producer in Bristol, that helps them, um, that helps them uh, connect with Bristol and make sure there's communication on both sides. Gotcha. One
0: very specific thing I've always been curious of, how does the top 10 get produced every night? Is that well, one person's job or how does that happen? How does that come So against? it's,
1: it's different for different shows. Um, uh, for so, for the 11 o'clock and the 1 a.m. versions, um, it's usually a two person operation with one or two people overseeing it. So, there's like two production assistants, so folks, men and women your age, that are sitting there and they're cultivating all the plays. So, everybody who's watching a game in the big screening room that we have is. Well, you know, you'll just hear it. You'll, it'll happen throughout the night. Like y'all top play Pistons game, you know? And like, then the person comes over and gets the play. And then of course they're monitoring Twitter and uh, you know, hashtag SC top 10. And then like, you know, like we get so, so many submissions every night from schools and um, whether it's the G league or you know, like, a Kaiser Gates kind of became, like, a regular on top 10 because I would get them from, like, my Xavier people who would send them to me and then the G League people was sending them to me. And it felt like every week we were getting a play from Kaiser Gates. And finally, <laughs> I actually got an email from someone from Xavier, like, you must be, like, doing the top 10 every day because I keep seeing Kaiser Gates on top 10. I'm like, well, I'm like, he is making some great plays. But, yes, I would be lying if I didn't say, like, I was forwarding them along, you know, but um, so um, ultimately for the 1am Sports Center, I go in and watch the top 10 with the group that produces the top 10 before the show starts. And I'm like, all right, what's number one right now? I only have two rules about the top 10. Number one, better be the best play or the most memorable play of the night. And number 10, better be really interesting so that the viewer gets sucked into watching the top 10. Two through nine, that's all you. But but one in ten, I get to have a little bit of decision-making and final say about. But the overwhelming majority of the time, these guys and gals, they're on it. So, like, I don't usually have too much of a beef with what they're doing. They they do an awesome job. But every once in a while, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I know that, that play in the Miami Heat game was great, but, like, Everyone is talking about this Zion dunk, so that's really got to be number one tonight. You know, okay. Um, you know, there's there's definitely, and sometimes it's just it's just an amazing play. Like if you get an amazing play, I don't care where it is. If I don't care if it's a you know like you've seen it. We've had you know Pee Wee football as number one. Like if it's an outstanding that bocce one play, ball, I don't know if you remember that. Right. Remember that? Oh, bocce yeah. one where the, guy exactly. the yeah, exactly. That was the night I was working, and I'm like, this is the number one play. Like, I get it. LeBron had an amazing dunk tonight. But, like, LeBron will have another amazing dunk. We might never get this play again. So, I'm like, that's a number one play, you know? It's a number one. Like, you're still talking about it. Like, that's mission yeah. accomplished, right? You want people to have in their mind, all right, I saw this yesterday and it was great, you know? Yeah. And top ten is, you know, listen, it's 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 an institution, you know? um. I mean, when I started ESPN, it was plays of the night. You know, it wasn't even 10. And then, like, you know, it just kind of evolved, like, oh, yeah, let's just do a top 10 and because everybody loves a list, right? Yeah. And uh, they just kind of took off from there.
0: Wow, that's great. I didn't realize that that was, I guess, how it all came together, a team of people, and you sit there and go th- – I, I guess all night you just – There are two plays. people
1: where they walk in the building at 5 o'clock at night and they're only – thing they're doing that night, it's top 10. That's their job. They do the, the top lady. 10. Yeah. So they come in at 5, and it airs at 11, and it airs at or, or like 11.50 and, and one fifty, And that's what they do. That's their job for the night, top 10. Just like – so at like there's going to be, you know, if, if there was – like tonight, there would be NBA playoff games tonight if we were still doing sports. Oh, there would be – you know, there's that people hurts. that – There'd be people walking in the door tonight where they'd be like, okay, um, these two people, you've got game two of the Lakers and the Grizzlies. That's your job for the night. You're cutting the highlights for Lakers-Grizzlies. You know, there'd be two other people that'd be like, you have Celtics-Sixers, you know? And then there'd be people that walk in, they got the Reds and Pirates, you know? So every, all that stuff's getting watched by, by a person
0: so when you cut highlights of every single game especially when you get into months of like april and may when every, like nhl playoffs nba playoffs baseballs happening football you have the draft and stuff so you don't have real games but you still have some packages that you have to run but you have to fit in if you're talking about may you have to fit in all the highlights of all the nba nhl and M- mlb games as much as you can is right. that some is that somebody Sitting there, like you said, cutting those highlights, or is that outsourcing from MLB that they're cutting highlights? We do for you? them all. SportsCenter is doing all of that and cutting it. Now, is that we do them all. Is that a ten-person job? Is that
1: or is that well? One like I said, one person, one, one like you know, one person's watching each game. Interesting. So, um, and then like during basketball, like college basketball season, then we kind of team it out. You know. Or like during hockey season, we'll have like okay, we have a four-person team that's cutting hockey tonight. So like, and then you check in with the people and like, okay, what are the three best things or the five best things in hockey tonight? And then they tell you, and you're like, okay, I'll take. It's like ordering off a menu, you know. It's (laughs) like, all right, I'll take a little Connor McDavid, I'll take the New York Rangers, and I'll take the you know uh, Arizona, you know Phoenix Arizona Coyotes highlight. Yeah, and then that's what you end up with. And, um, you know, like the great thing about it is everybody's so invested and they, they're so passionate about the one or two things that they have that night. Um, and you get great pitches, right? So you're like, Hey, if I, if you, if, if I were running this highlight, I would do this, this, and this, and then the next person comes up and you're like, well, if I had my game, I would do this, this, and this. And then, so ultimately what, what, what it ends up happening as a producer is, you know, going in like, okay, all these NBA and NHL playoff games, those are all going to make it, right? Yeah. So it's just a question of how long do you want those highlights to be? How good were the games? And then there's – but there's always like two or three highlights that you're like, okay, this could – I got room for two or three heights, and they could be anything in the sports world. And you're just listening to everybody come in with their pitches and their ideas, and then you're like, okay – these are the three best things that I've heard, this is what we're doing, you know? These are the ones we're gonna run. And then that way, and you know, part of it is, you know, if you're, if you're producing for Van Pelt, you're gonna go to Scott and you're gonna say, okay, here are the 10 things that we could do. What are the three you like the most? And then you'll pick them, you know? Um, so that's kind of how it gets done. And, and then ultimately, you know, there's always a couple of things that'll surprise you on a given night, you know? things you weren't expecting, things that, that happen, you know, worldwide or nationwide, or, you know, you get, you know, the, the best thing about the internet and the, and social media is you get stuff from everywhere. You know, people, our best content providers are our viewers, you know, they, they see stuff and they shoot stuff on their phone and they send it to us. And it's incredible, you know,
0: yeah and when you have a guy like Van Pelt who's so eloquent and good on the air, are you scripting out what's happening in the highlight, or are you just saying uh, Bryce Harper hits a home run and so and so hits a home run, and are you letting him just go with it and react to it live?
1: yeah, so he gets a shot sheet that says, Here are the plays, okay, and then here's what the made the score so like you'll it'll be like like an example of how it would be written would be like um. Top or bottom of the fifth, two men on for the Reds. Joey Votto hits a double to left center. Um, You know, uh, Andrew McCutcheon falls down, um, throws from his backside, you know, hits the cutoff man, and they throw Eugenio Suarez out at the plate, you know. And then so he's got all that information. And then he's gonna watch, you know, be able to watch. He can look at the shot sheet, look at the monitor, and be able to read and react. Um, so that's kind of how it happens. You give them the the basic info, and then uh, and then they take it from there. This team of
0: people cutting highlights is it like a rotational rotational program of people that are cutting highlights of their favorite sport, and then the next time they come in, they do hockey, or is it? every night, like, say I come in, I cut baseball tonight. Am I every night coming in and cutting baseball, or is Tom DeCorti telling me, hey, yeah, you're going to come in tonight and cut baseball, but tomorrow, let's have you learn hockey, and the next night, do basketball. Well, yeah, I mean,
1: you uh, I, you know, people do find their niches, you know, that they, that they end up excelling in, but yeah, we try to keep it, you know, we try to, you know, give people a different, you know, uh, something different every so often, because you're always, you know, you don't want to get in a rut, but Um, uh, uh, the producers are not the people that are in charge of assigning them there's a a leadership group in highlights uh, we call them highlight producers and most of them are people that used to cut highlights and now they're in charge of supervising the highlights so they're basically kind of like highlight uh, highlight all-stars right so they're the guys they're the the guys who have been the best at it over the years, guys and gals that have been the best at it. So what they do is like the the PAs will come to them and be like, here's what I'm thinking for tonight's game. And they'll be like, oh it's a really good idea, but we could build on it and do this. And then they work together and then um they're the ones that because they know the PA's the best. They are the ones that schedule, okay, um, Paul's going to do the Reds game tonight. Um Tom, you're gonna do the Tigers game or whatever. And then, uh, so there's like a document where, you know, everybody comes in and they look to see what what your game is. Interesting. Okay. All right. Um, And obviously, you know, to a certain degree, it's a meritocracy, right? You're going to put your best people on the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs. And, you know, you're going to put your newer people on the Tigers game because the Tigers aren't very good right now.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It sounds a little sad in your voice.
1: Hey, we're just coming off the, one of the greatest stretches of Tiger baseball in their franchise history. I can't be too bitter. <laughs>
0: um, when you look at, at the stuff you're doing with SportsCenter and you look at some of these people that are coming up, I guess like myself, although not necessarily, I'm not necessarily in the SportsCenter world, I'm more in the play-by-play, but when you look at some of these people that are, are coming up and studio hosts, what would you say is the biggest thing that you look for or would give advice on to somebody – that wants to be the next Scott Van Pelt or Kenny Mayne or Johnny Anderson or whoever, what are you looking for? Because you're the one as a producer that has to then go and work with them.
1: Yeah. I mean, the biggest thing is just, you know, don't try to be the next, whatever, just be you, you know, and just develop your own, um, your own way of doing it, your own style. And I would just say, trust that, um, you know, that, that you have, you have a vision for what you want to do and go do it. You know, don't try to be the next person, just be the first Paul. And, um, you know, I think it's the biggest thing is just be willing to accept, uh, feedback and be willing to accept the fact that you're not going to be perfect right away. And, um, really self-evaluate your own opportunities, you know? Go back and watch the games that you've broadcast, go back and watch the pieces that you've written, and really evaluate, okay, what am I doing well? What do I need to get better at? And that's how you improve ultimately. I mean, right, I can tell you right now, one day every week while we're in the quarantine, my producer for the Sports Center in Los Angeles and I, we spend one to two hours discussing old shows and how are we going to do better when we get back to sports again? You know, we spent two weeks thinking about Saturday college football. And then we, we spent the last week on uh, post game NBA, you know, how can we get like, we looked at some shows like, all right, here's what we're doing. Well, here's what we're, we're terrible at. We, how do we get better here? We really need to learn how to get better here. Do we have the right people in the right place? You know, like, do we need to rethink our staff? Do we need more somewhere else and less in a different place? This is the type of thing that self-evaluation is critical into improvement, whether you're just starting out in this business or whether you're, you know, you're, you know, at the top of your game, like if you're not improving and you're not self-evaluating, you're never going to get better.
0: All right. A couple more questions here before we, before we wrap up, what's your favorite event that you've worked through at ESPN through all you've been there 20 plus years now, right?
1: 20 years. It was 20 years in March. Actually my 20 year anniversary at the company was March 13th, which you'll remember was the first day of no sports. Yeah. Friday the 13th. Talk about about the ultimate irony.
0: Uh, Uh, Well, happy anniversary.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, if, i'm, oh, gonna, oh, give you, believe- I'm if gonna you i'm gonna give you a top three i was gonna say top, top three how about a top three uh Patriots Patriots-Rams Super Bowl January or was it, was it January earlier february 2002 after and what
0: was nine, what was your role with these events too i was uh
1: i was a production assistant and I got to cut i w- edited the first half highlight of that Super Bowl and I got to be in the At the Super Bowl, that was an amazing experience. Uh, Tiger Woods Masters last year, that was an incredible moment to be part of. And then the best moment I was ever in the building for was the Ray Allen shot, Heat Spurs, NBA Finals, Game 6. That was just an absolutely incredible uh, sporting event and post-game and Um, I'll never forget the director that night was amazing. And he had that shot of the the heat fans leaving the building and then trying to get back in after the Ray Allen hit the shot. And like, that's the, like directors, man, like those guys and gals, like they're the unbelievable all-stars like their attention to detail and what they're the foresight that they have to see it before it happens. It's just incredible. And uh, I'll never forget those moments when we thought, all right, the Spurs are about to win the title, and then Ray Allen hits the shot, the game goes to overtime, the Heat win, the fans are trying to get back in, the series is going to a seventh game. It was just surreal. It was amazing.
0: Where were you in the building when that happened?
1: When it, so I, w- I watched most of the game in the arena – and then when the fourth quarter starts, you kind of go back to the to the production truck. So like you walk basically through the tunnel, and then like out right outside the arena, the 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 truck like there's the game truck where they're doing the broadcast, and then they're right next to us, there's the production truck where you're doing the pre and post game. And so I walk into go into the truck, and all the all of our people are in there, and you know like after a long playoff run you're thinking, okay, the Spurs are about to win and people start packing the bags in their mind. Yeah. And I remember, I'm like, okay, I remember saying, okay, guys, let's make sure we're sharp here. I'm like, you never know, the heat could come back, we could have a miracle finish. And then it happened, everybody's mad at me because they're all thinking we're going home because the series is over and then they're blaming me for jinxing it i'm like i'm like if you're blaming me for being a jinx this is one of the greatest shots in nba history i'm like i'm like i'm sorry you know (laughs) sorry for making for something awesome happening you know but uh go ahead that was uh yeah like that was a an amazing amazing 10 minutes so for you to, to work
0: on that crew, how do you have to react to that when you think that you're going to have to maybe plan for a post-game show where you're crowning the Spurs as the champion versus – and we see this all the time in sports where things happen at the last second where you have to react and that's all a part of the business. But now Ray Allen hits this miraculous shot and you have to completely change course and pivot to now having to plan a post-game show you, where you prepare for game seven. How does that transpire?
1: So it's a lot easier than you think because you have great people around you who know their roles. Your researcher will start contributing ideas. He'll send you a note right away. Here are the best, you know, here's a list of great shots in NBA finals history. And then you forward that to a PA and they start pulling all those shots, you know, and then you start thinking about, okay, game sevens, you know, you start thinking about great game sevens history and you, you have all that stuff ready to go. And then, um, You know, one of the best advice, one of the best advice I ever got about producing was from uh, Mike Schiffman, who now is in charge of uh, basketball at ESPN, like he's in charge of college basketball and NBA, just the entire operation. And so I was working under him about 10 years ago, 10, 15 years ago, and when I was just starting to produce shows, and he said, you'll never get stuck if you always ask what's next and just think, okay, so I have this, okay, what's next after that, okay, what's next after that, and you can always answer the question, what's next, and then if you keep asking that, you'll build a great show, so that's, whenever I get stuck, that's what I always go back to, what's next.
0: All right, Tom, last question, I'll put you on the spot here a little bit, outside of, outside of your sports center personalities, who's your favorite sports personality, that you've encountered over 20 years and it's got to be a long list, but if you can pick one, two or th- one, two or three, who's, who's somebody that maybe they come into the studio or you're ha- you have to talk to them to get them on with Scott. And you're thinking, Oh man, I can't wait to talk to this
1: guy or girl again. Interesting. Um, man, that's a tough question. I wasn't really prepared. For that. Um, <laughs>
0: Somebody where you're thinking, oh, I can't wait for so-and-so to come back in and catch up with them, or maybe just have them on the show.
1: Um, man, I mean, I always found – like, obviously, like, you just – you want to put – like, there's two types of great guests. There's the great guest that is unpredictable, and you never know what they're going to do. So like people like from an announcer standpoint, like Walton or (laughs) uh, like from an athlete standpoint, like Gronkowski, where when you put them on, you never really know what's going to happen. And that's really exciting. But then there's also like the um, when you get people in a in a setting um, where they can really be thoughtful and introspective about what they've just accomplished, like I always enjoy, and this isn't specific to one person, but it's specific to an environment. Um, one of the a great idea that Stanford, Steve and Scott had when we were when we were starting the Van Pelt show was, could we instead of interviewing people on the field after a game, could we get a room in the arena and get them to come into this room? Where they were less surrounded by noise so that they could really concentrate on the conversation. And that was a really great idea by them. And we were able to pull that off at a lot of events like the NBA Finals or the College Football Playoff events where we were broadcasting it and we could find a room that we could make this environment happen. And inevitably, what happens is they come in to this room where there's just a producer from ESPN and the headset and the chair, and it's the first time they've sat down since they've accomplished one of the great things they've accomplished in their life. The first time I really saw this happen was when Clemson beat Alabama and Deshaun Watson came into the room, and he sat down and he just took this huge, deep breath, and you could tell that he had just then realized what had actually happened and that they had won and that he had thrown the game-winning touchdown to beat Alabama. And for when you have a great interviewer like Scott and a great subject, whether it's Deshaun Watson or Steph Curry or LeBron James, that's when you get magic. And I've seen it happen over and over in that interview environment. That's when we get our best stuff. And uh, those are the things I go back to now when you when you ask me that question. So I'm sorry I didn't ask it in like. Hey, that's okay. You were like, really thinking. But that's kind of how I think about it is when you get um, a subject that's just accomplished something great and you have them in a place where they can really uh, think about what it is that they did just accomplished.
0: Tom, thanks so much for taking the time to to talk about everything going on right now. I hope you're doing well. And uh, again, appreciate it.
1: All the best to you, Paul. And hopefully with any luck, uh, we'll be hearing you announce Bowie Bay Sox (laughs) games. Uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. I'm really looking forward to hearing that.
0: Thanks, Tom. Appreciate it.
1: Take care, bud. Well,
0: I hope you all enjoyed that episode and maybe learned something along the way. Again, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe wherever you're listening and leave a rating and a review as well. Until next Tuesday, I'm your host, Paul Fritschner, signing off. See you, everybody. Have a great week.